welcome to the Be Together podcast. We believe here that God did not desire for man to be alone. We are created with a need for companionship. So this gift has come to us through family and friends. Join me, Sarah, and my husband, Andrew, each week as we sit down with some of our favorite people and share our hearts on some fun and some difficult topics. Join us. Let's be together. Welcome to the Be Together podcast. We are so excited that you're listening. Uh, This is episode three, but we would just like to take a moment to say thank you because we've had many friends and family and listeners uh, following us so far on our trailer, episode one and episode two. So thank you to the people who have listened. We last looked at our analytics and we were at 220 listeners from three different countries. So that was kind of cool. But so thank you. And please share our podcast with friends and family that you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. Uh, We know that our friends and our listeners have the power to help us grow this um, platform. And so please just share it away. You can do that through social media. We do have an Instagram account at Be Together Podcast on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. uh, And you can also email us, Andrew, at... Be Together Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and feel free to reach out to us uh, through those platforms if you have ideas for episodes. Some of you Mm -hmm. have done that. And we've started a list and we're planning to kind of work through that as we go through our schedule. And we've had some really good suggestions. So thank you. If you have ideas or things you'd like to talk about, or if you feel led to like come on and talk about something with us, that's totally great. Just let us know and we'll get that figured out. Also, um, our podcast is now on lots of different platforms. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Pocket Cast. What's the other one? Castaway. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, yep. Google Podcasts. I mean, you can find Spotify. us all over the place. So whichever platform you use, if you would subscribe or follow or like it so that you'll get updates and alerts when our new episodes come out, that would be helpful. A lot of those platforms, you can also like leave reviews uh, and that helps it get to the top of the search bar. So like when people are looking for things, it'll pop up and um, just kind of reveal that it's there for them if they're not even looking for it. So mm-hmm. consider doing that. We appreciate you guys so much. Uh, last week on episode two, many of you listened, we talked about introverts and extroverts and how those personalities and tendencies play such a big role in the way that we build our relationships and the way that we, um, I guess, interact as a family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, we even kind of talked about some with parenting and with our relationships. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you found you know, yourself analyzing where you're at on the spectrum of introverts and extroverts and kind of how that plays into your relationships. Yeah. And today on episode three, we're going to talk about success and failure and how we react to our own success and failure, um, each other's success and failure, and then also how that kind of permeates throughout um, our relationships. All right. We're going to take a minute and talk about a term or phrase you may have heard before. Um, but it's called productive struggle. So this is something that I've kind of had explained that it's learning through the process of not succeeding. So trying to do something, struggling through the coming up with the outcome and then benefiting from that process. Is that kind of how, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, productive struggle. How would you describe it? Yeah, productive struggle. I would say that when something is not easy and there might be an aspect of failure, but then the kind of getting over the hump is much more beneficial than what you, what you thought 
it would be during the struggle. Like, in the middle of it, in the thick of it, it's terrible. Yeah. But then after the struggle is over, it's great. It's kind of like a workout. Like, in the middle of the workout, you hate it. You absolutely <laughs> hate it. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But at the end of it, you have kind of an endorphin release, and you feel good about yourself. You feel good about the things you've done. Yeah. So. And so, what is not productive struggle is, like, trying something and being amazing at it the first time. Or... Trying something, having a hard time, and then, like, someone coming in and saving you from it. Like, yeah, exactly. someone coming in and just kind of, like, solving the problem for you. Mm-hmm. That would not be productive struggle. So, productive struggle are just those opportunities that you have where you kind of work through something, where you try something, then you try again, then you fix what you just tried because it broke something. or You know, that whole just process of developing a solution to whatever you're doing. So when we talk about productive struggle, you can apply it in so many different aspects. You can apply it to really anything. You can apply it to like academic learning, mm-hmm. which I see, you know, productive struggle in my classroom. It's actually something I foster in my classroom. Um, you know, you can see it in just learning basic skills, like how to clean something or how to uh, put something together, like just practical things. Um, so really you can apply it to really any kind of situation. When thinking about this and kind of even in my adult life, how I struggle and how I react and how that helps me, I really goes back a lot to my childhood. Absolutely, yeah. And how I was raised and um, the opportunities that, you know, I had as a kid. So Andrew and I were kind of talking about some of that. So we're going to share kind of our backgrounds and how we were raised and you can reflect on your, you know, background, how you were raised and the environment that you were fostered in to see how that affects you now. Cause I don't think we always do that as adults. We're yeah. in the moment we're thinking about now or we're thinking about our kids, but we don't really always pay attention to the fact that the way that we were raised plays a huge role in the way that we're acting and behaving and reacting. Absolutely. So when I think back to my childhood and how I was raised, I had two older sisters and a younger brother And we were all pretty close in age. My parents had four kids in five and a half years. So we're all close. Um, So it was just like this little, you know, wolf pack of kids. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we lived out in the country, sort of. So we weren't like in a neighborhood, really. We did have some neighbor kids, but not a lot. So we were outside a lot. We didn't watch a lot of TV or anything like that. We were exploring, riding our bikes, you know, I remember so many times my dad, things like my dad trimming trees and my sister and I taking all the branches and building forts or uh, riding our bikes, you know, down into the trees and trying to find new places that we had never discovered before or building something out of random supplies that we would find. And so through those kind of like exploratory childhood memories, there was a lot of opportunity to try things And then if they didn't work, talk it out and try it again. I didn't usually have, like in my childhood memories, I didn't usually have a mom or dad like right there helping me fix the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the same way. So I I, I mean, I have um, not as many siblings. I have one (laughs) sibling and she's a sister that was older than I am. And it's interesting because uh, we were not that close, I guess you could say. And so there wasn't a lot of that um, camaraderie, I guess you could say, between siblings. Uh, usually my sister was doing her thing and I was doing my thing. And I think part of that is just like boy-girl Absolutely. age gap. And and I, there's a lot of things there. Most of my camaraderie and stuff like that was always done with friends. So church was usually my outlet for that. Mm-hmm. Going to church uh, when I got older, middle school and stuff like that, it was more of a school um, thing. But most of my kind of productive struggle with friends especially was during a church and trying to you know playing games at church figuring out 
um, how we interact, um, and actually getting better at things after that. So. Yeah. So do you remember instances of more parent guidance or do you like in your memory bank or was there a balance of parent guidance and just you and your friends just hanging out, figuring it out? Uh, no, I think there was parent guidance. Like my, my dad worked a lot, uh, but my mom was a stay at home mom. So then my mom was kind of around all the time. Yeah. And so, um, when things got hard, um, I would go to her and she would be glad to help. I remember specifically in fifth grade, we had a report on the state of Missouri and I was kind of waiting until the last minute, which if you know me, I kind of procrastinate. Um, and so, uh, my mom really <laughs> stepped up. I didn't step up very much, but my mom did and helped me hugely on this report. Now, was that um, really help? Or was it well, rescuing that, that's you? That's what I'm saying. I think she rescued me. Now, after that, she she was really um, adamant as saying, I'm not doing this again. So <laughs> I'm helping you out here. You're still in quote unquote grade school in fifth grade. Yeah. And so once we got to middle school and high school, my mom was like, you're on your own. You got to do it yourself. And she kind of stopped that. Um, coddling, but I think that was kind of the, the turning. That was the point. The you remember point that? <laughs> um, so. I remember. I do remember one time my dad pretty much did that for me. It was in fourth grade, and it was a um, science fair project, mm-hmm. and I wasn't putting it off. I just really was like had big grandiose ideas, and I couldn't execute them on my own. <laughs> and so, I mean, my dad like basically built my project for yeah. me with my vision, but he basically did it. So that was kind of one of those rescuing moments. I'm sure everybody, maybe not everybody, but I'm sure a lot of people have those memories, <laughs> um, whether it was when you were really little or a teenager or whatever, where they just kind of swooped in and saved the day. And that's okay. I mean, I, I thank my dad for that. I don't fault him for it. So that's our childhood. That's just kind of a moment in time where we sat here and reflected. Maybe you can reflect back and think about um, opportunities and things where you struggled or where parents came in and kind of saved the day and how that kind of shapes you now on the way that you view if you're a parent maybe on the way you view how you help your children or even in a relationship how you help each other so we talked about how we were raised and how that affected you know our our mentality on how we approach success and failure um now I want to switch to now, our adult life. We are adults, yay. Um, <laughs> but how do you react to failures or, or downturns or struggles in your life now as an adult? I think it depends what it is. But in the context of like maybe small things, I'm trying to figure out how to fix something. I'm trying to get something to work the way I want it to. I'm trying to find something at work. I don't know, something like that. When I think of it, not in like a big decision or a big, huge situation, but just like in the little day-to-day things. I know for me that when I hit that moment of struggle, I have a tendency to not hide it. Like I'll huff or puff or, oh my gosh, or I'll sigh. I know you sigh. I sigh a lot. You sigh. I, I sigh big. <laughs> so I'll have those kind of physical like reactions. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they're meltdowns. I wouldn't go that far, but I have those just very noticeable reactions. Yeah. And I would agree. Same question for me. I would agree. Uh, I do almost the same thing. So I wear my emotions on my sleep. And so it's very hard for me to hide kind of what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it is something that I need to do or something that needs to be done, 
I might huff a little bit, but I'll, I'll power through. Right. And even if I'm frustrated, I'll power through. And it's noticeable that like, okay, you don't want to do this. Like when we do the dishes, I don't want to do the dishes. Um, that's not necessarily a struggle, but you can tell that I don't want to do the dishes, but yeah. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going through and doing it. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're the adult in the situation yeah. or an adult in the situation, it's different because there's, it's very unlikely that somebody's going to rescue, like come in and just yeah. fix it. Most of the time we're the one who has to figure out how to fix it. Now, if it's within the context of work, it might be more of a group effort of fixing it. Yeah. Or like in parenting, there's situations that we work through where, you know, obviously we really have to work together at it, but just the day to day things, it's like, we have to figure out the way to fix it. And so giving up isn't always really no. an option. And even going back to the productive struggle thing, like that is one of the benefits of being the adult is you go through a productive struggle at the end of it, you feel better. Yeah. You, you accomplished something. That is probably why you were hired for a job to solve problems and to come through right. when you need to. If you're but always I'm thinking, having someone come like in the context of like our household, like let's say that okay. um, something breaks, like an appliance oh, yeah. or something, and it's like, okay, are we going to call somebody to fix it? Are we going to try to fix it? Do we have to clean up the mess? And like, I can't fix this. This isn't working. Like situations like that, it's like, it's hard, but I need, I feel like I need to do a better job of not wearing my emotions on my sleeve because my kids are watching. Yeah. And like at work, that witness, you know, that's like your opportunity to be set apart. Not that that's a sin to like huff or puff or like have that moment of just frustration or where you feel like you're not making any progress. That's not, I don't think that's necessarily a sin, but. I feel like it's also a perfect opportunity to be a witness mm -hmm. because people are watching um, how, you know, we act as Christians in all situations. And so, I don't know, I think that's something I, I would like to do better at is just not wearing my emotions on my sleeve so much and just being more at peace and like having a mindset of this is a very small problem Yeah, in the big picture, you know? I agree, but also a little disagree. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I really, uh, I think, uh, for me, it is a bigger witness. Um, not for my, like, when I see people struggle and then persevere, it is a bigger impact on me than when they just struggle and can, like, stay in that struggle. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the way I react to yes, it. Yes, okay. Just with my emotions. Like, oh, okay. No, I agree. I think, I think the perseverance is a huge part of it and yeah. most people if they're people of faith if they have a testimony I mean we all have times in our lives like key incidences or key situations that kind of shaped us where we did have to overcome or we did have mm -hmm. to depend on God's deliverance to help us overcome something so I definitely don't think I'm not just saying just like deal with it and don't say anything I'm just saying the way I react to it shouldn't be so always so emotional. Yeah, okay. I get that. I understand that. And I think especially now if I bring in the parenting aspect of my kids watching because even if they're not saying, "Oh, my mom always freaks out." That's still being ingrained in them. And so they that's all they know. That's what they see the most. So that's going to be the way that they think you're supposed to without even consciously doing that. Absolutely. It's that whole um question of are you the type of parent that if your kid breaks a vase 
are they going to be scared for their life because of the way you react when something things well, like yeah, that? Yeah, and that's or is it more of a the kids know that the parents are forgiving, that they're grace, they're full of grace, and that they understand. Hey, I need to tell the, my parents that I did this. Right. So it's that that kind of mentality. Yeah, but I also think like yeah, in those like that I almost think of that as like an integrity or a moral like situation. I'm thinking like I tell my kid to go brush their teeth and. <laughs> I can just go in and do it for them or like get the toothbrush ready for them yeah. or get everything laid out for them so that this process can go way faster because it's bedtime and I just want them to brush their teeth. Or I can let them go in there and get their own toothpaste knowing that they're going to make a mess, mm. but then work them through how to clean up the mess. And you know, that's yeah, playing the long game more than the short game. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, I think of that as more productive struggle than like my kid broke a base and they need to tell me because yeah, yeah those situations are going to happen and those are learning opportunities. And I hope that I don't react emotionally, but I'm talking more just like day to day, even tasks or situations where, especially with kids, because they're learning all these things just like, you know, we once were. So, you know, I know you're really good. I feel like you're really good at teaching the boys things like how to clean the bathroom or how to do the dishes or, and so in those moments, letting them kind of figure it out and not just saying, no, stop, do it this way. Yeah. That's something that, um, I, it's with the kids that we have, or the ages of our kids is mm -hmm. hard right now. I think because we've got the 10 year old Zach, which he knows, but he is still, um, looking for, direction and guidance we actually had a situation today where we were doing the dishes and i asked him to put some stuff away and he was very like put out because he's like well where do these go and i said you need to figure it out like you've seen me put the, the stuff away 45 to 50 other times you should know where the stuff is and, and so you just let him figure it out let him figure it out but then I, we have the six year old we have colby uh and he does need direction he needs direction on how we do load the dishwasher mm -hmm. and why we put certain things on top and some things on top. Yeah, so I think that's just being in tune with like where they're yeah. at and, and, and what they've already um, experienced. I also think that mindset plays a huge part. Yeah, that. absolutely. So, and, and I think it does for all of us. Like if, if you're productively struggling through something that you're really excited about, and like the outcome is going to be really beneficial or exciting, something you're building or, you know, something you're planning, some place you're going to go and you've got to plan through all these things, whatever. Like there's so many things that you get really excited about. So when it's that, your mindset is excitement, is determination, is just all that. But if it's doing the dishes or cleaning the mundane or like a situation at work that you wish you didn't have to be a part of, but you do like... It's all about mindset. So it's like when it's something you're not that excited about, oh, how different the struggle is. You've already made up in your mind that you don't care and you don't want to do it. And yeah. that's something I see in the classroom all the time. Because students, you know, if they're excited about a project or excited about um, an objective that we're learning, then they're going to have a lot more grit and determination. And yeah. like they're going to try more things before they get frustrated. Yeah, and I see that. I mean, I see that at work as well. There are certain aspects of my job that I don't like to do, uh, and I put those off sometimes. But there's things that I really am excited about doing, and I tend to, uh, those always tend to, to jump at the top of my priority list. Because <laughs> you're just more excited about yeah. it, and you're more in tune with, like, I can do this, or I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. So this leads us to a question 
Andrew, yes. I'm going to ask you. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. So do we, you and I, foster a growth mindset within our home and with our family? Okay. I am going to do the most Jesus thing out there and ask your, answer your question with another question. Uh, what is a growth mindset? Okay. Or how would you define that? So yeah, growth mindset, I feel like it kind of goes along with productive struggle because we already kind of defined productive struggle, but growth mindset is basically in my perspective, this state of understanding that you are going to reach a point where you struggle. So you're going to reach a point where you don't succeed right away or you don't know what to do next or you don't know the answer to something so growth mindset is that when you reach that point you go into it saying okay i can't do this yet i've heard this kind of term like the power of yet so a growth person with a growth mindset walks into it and reaches that point of struggle struggle or that point of not succeeding right away and they say okay i can't do this yet But through A, B, and C, or I'm going to try this or this or this and see if I can get to that point where I can. So it's basically just kind of that grit, that determination, that, but it's a whole mindset towards those situations. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So for our family, I do think we have a growth mindset. Now, I think we could, we could get better. I think uh, we don't have a growth mindset in necessarily everything we do. Right. But I do think that we are trying to instill in our kids that even though things are hard, you can still do them. Right. Even though you're not the best at something, you can get better. Right. You can reach that goal or um, just setting goals. Or just saying like, okay, so you want to do this. What are you going to have to do to get there? I think we do pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. I also think that this is where, I think we do foster it, but I also think this is where it gets kind of harder because in these situations as a parent or even just in a relationship with a family member, even if it's a sibling or a husband, wife or mom and dad or whatever, all those personality traits come through. Yeah. So we have those introvert extrovert and all those like natural tendencies um our emotional tendencies it just i don't know i feel like it gets really complicated so i want to just sit here and say like yeah we promote a growth mindset we try to foster that within our children and this and that but it's that's hard yeah and i feel like um with a growth mindset it is a long game yes and it's not one of those things like if you uh, we've talked about this a little bit. Like Sarah doesn't like the word failure, but I don't. I, I like the word fail- failure. But if if I fail in something today, it's not the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the power of yet, like okay, I, I did not hit the mark today, but tomorrow is a new day, and we can maybe hit the mark tomorrow. Um, and being okay with embracing that struggle and saying, "Yep, it, today was just not a good day." It's okay. I can get on it. I can get back on it tomorrow. Yeah. And I think this is where productive, I feel like in the parenting aspect, this is where productive struggle and growth mindset kind of overlap because I feel like it's only beneficial for my kids if I have a growth mindset Mm -hmm. because I know like 
when it comes to life right now, they're going to struggle more because they're learning to tie their shoes and they're learning to clean something and they're learning to organize their materials before they cook or before they leave for school or whatever it is, you know? So it's like, I still know that there's so much that they're learning. I mean, I'm obviously learning a lot too, just on the parenting side of all that. But as far as just day-to-day tasks, they're the ones being the learning. And so it's hard sometimes to sit back and witness the productive struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, you want to just fix it. You're, you feel like you're in a hurry or you, you don't want to see somebody kind of suffer. And I don't mean physically suffer, but just suffer with that frustration. And so I feel like the art, one of the arts of parenting is like letting that productive struggle happen, but encouraging, um, them along the way. I know you always said your dad was really encouraging. Yes. So like, do you have any examples of how he encouraged you through uh, a struggle oh, or anything? I don't know. Like my dad coached yeah, my, my dad sports coaches, well, and things. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty awesome because my dad owned a business and he was always really busy, but he did take the time to like coach our little league sports. And he was so encouraging through that, you know, being the coach's kid was kind of like this difficult role anyway, but as I would learn skills or he would want to help me refine them, he was really good at knowing how much to say and when to kind of let me figure it out and when to hug me or high five me or when to leave me alone. And I mean, I feel like he did a really good job of letting me productively struggle, but also knowing he was there if I needed him. Yeah. And he wasn't going to like save me, but he was going to offer some advice along the way. Yeah. I think uh, I have a little bit different perspective from my look my dad. My dad also coached. He was very encouraging. But one of the things that I saw through my dad was he was able to be an example of productive struggle all the time. And the way I would describe this is like his job. He worked a lot. Mm-hmm. And he worked in a corporate environment, not a corporate manufacturing environment. And he worked all the time. And his job sometimes really stunk. And he didn't like his boss sometimes, and he didn't like some of the people he's working with, and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, he persevered and tried to do that. his job to the best and, and provided he was proud for of that, yeah. our family and made us have a great life and was there was a godly man. And so all of those things really impacted me more than uh, words of encouragement. So big picture, yeah. so big picture. I mean, that is productive struggle. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not like incident by incident, but just like the general situation mm-hmm. yeah so I mean I would love to sit here and say like yeah I foster growth mindset but really I mean I think we could do a better job at that it's hard though because you want to are you kind of I think our tendencies sometimes are to say well like okay so if your kid isn't good at something maybe I don't know what it is maybe I'm just gonna make this up maybe it's playing tennis or something they really wanted to do we just want to like direct them towards something else like, okay, well, my kid's not very good at tennis, but I'll just, like, keep pushing him towards soccer because he's good at that or um, encouraging him to do this or that. It's like we, I find myself, like, doing things like that just to kind of keep them happy or keep them yep. from the struggle instead of kind of pursuing that struggle and saying, all right, they really said they wanted to do this. They're not very good at it, but I should help them, yep. give them opportunity to get better at it. Yep. Does that make sense? Totally to me. Yeah. I mean, it's hard though, because as a parent, you want to just be like, it's fine. Let's focus on well, what we're good at. <laughs> and it's not even, I think, in, in, within those individual battles, you have to pick your battles. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, with 
you know, toothbrush, going to bed or something like that. That, depending on the night, you might have much more patience for them to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> there might be a night where your patience is already in the negative and you're like, if you don't brush your teeth right now, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> so you that night you just help them. Yeah. But other nights you're like, no, you're old enough. You should be able to do this. And if they struggle with it, cool. That's fine. They're going to learn through this. Yeah. Also, though, I think about when I see you working through something, if I see you struggling what's helpful and what's not, you know? So I'll see Andrew trying to figure out how to fix something or how to figure out how to put something together. And, you know, my two cents is not needed. I'm sure couples can think about those situations where I want to question or like ask why he's doing something to see if he's considered it. But really those are not helpful questions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You don't much to say to that. Well, I just, uh, immediately what I think about is, when we're not struggling, uh, one of my love languages is physical touch. So I really like it when Sarah hugs me or where Sarah puts her hand on my shoulder and stuff like that. But like when I'm in the <laughs> middle of a struggle, don't. I, I don't want any of that yeah. whatsoever. Uh, and that that is just one of those things like through marriage, we've, we've, years of marriage, we've learned. Yeah. So I think re- the relational, like if it's parent to child is very different than if it's like spouse yes. or sibling or um, adult parent to child. I just feel like those are all very different situations on how to react when you see somebody else struggling. It's very different than when it's your own like child or a little kid. Um, okay. So we've talked about kind of struggle, productive struggle. We've talked about our perspectives on that. Now we're going to dig into success. So now we'll dive into the positive aspect of this, which is success. So Sarah, (laughs) how do you handle success? (laughs) Well, that's a hard question. I think it depends what it is. And I think it depends on how old I was when you asked that question. But (laughs) in the current, I would like to say I strive to accept it humbly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think in our society right now, the knee-jerk reaction to success is to blast it everywhere. Absolutely. Like social media platforms, you know, everybody posts, not everybody, I shouldn't say everybody. There's a large portion of people who post everything on social media. It's like, you know, the highlight reel. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I think I'm guilty of that at times, but I also think over the last couple of years, I've become a little bit more aware of that. Yeah, And I struggle with that because I am, I mean, I am excited for friends and family on social media when they do post certain things. Yeah, I do. Exciting. I agree. And I think that's and the positive so power a, of it. There is a very fine line, in my opinion, with social media of, about how far that would go or how right. far you should go. And I don't even, the thing is, I don't even know where that line is. I don't is. know where that line is either. And that's, um, that's difficult. And like I said, I, I, I do this. I, I mean, I do. I'm, I'm on social media. I do post things like that. So I'm not faulting anybody for that. But... I think my goal is to react humbly. Like I think about situations at work where things have worked out well or um, we've seen success with certain programs or ideas that we've had and it's exciting. And I get excited about that and it kind of energizes you Mm -hmm. to keep going. But I also don't like a lot of attention or like formal recognition for things. 
I think that's because I'm kind of shy. I don't yeah, know, but and that's the difference between you and me. Because like as an extrovert, like I enjoy being publicly getting public accolades. But I also think like you're like you already mentioned your top love language is physical touch, but your second one is words of affirmation. Absolutely, yep. And so that I think that those affirming things help encourage. They you do. And stuff like they that. help motivate. They help do things. Motivate. Yeah, that's a good word. And I will say also for us. Um, in this season of life that we have, I think most of our successes, even if we do have career success, most of our success is, is centered around our kids. Yeah, we're just and in that season of life, and that's fine. I, I love it. But yeah, I, think, I, I definitely agree with that. And so then, it for me, it becomes we don't need to broadcast things because as long as we can celebrate within our own home, I, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. And I'm very excited. I'm, I'm super excited to celebrate Zach's successes and, and Colby's successes yeah. and, and pump them up within our family and be like that. But I don't feel a need to do more. Than well, because that. what is a success within our family? Other people are going to look exactly. at and think it's just a normal day, you yeah. know, because the whole context of it all, you know, if we have a kid who, you know, went from a level C reading to a level D reading, that's a big deal in our house. But other people might not understand that or they're like, oh yeah, we've already been there, done that. It's exactly. not that big of a deal <laughs> yeah. for them. So I think that just where we're at in life right now, like you said, our success and celebration is small, small circle and that's okay. But I also feel like there's so much power in acknowledging those little successes yep. with our children um, so that they know that we notice and like we think it's a big deal when things happen. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel no, like absolutely. that's important. And it's not to pump them up or make them feel like they do everything right. Because I do feel like we also call them out <laughs> on things yeah. that they're not doing well or, or situations that we need to address. Yeah. So there's a balance there. But I feel like really focusing on success can help their growth mindset. Because we can talk about, wow, you've been working so hard at this. Or, wow, your teacher let me know this and I know that that was something you have been practicing. Or So I just feel like it's important to acknowledge the success. Absolutely. I think it's as one of our parental responsibilities is to build them up, yeah. to affirm them in the things that they do in the walk of the Lord and, and understand that we're here for them. We're kind of in their corner. Yeah. So, But I also feel like that goes outside the family too. So, you know, coworkers you know, paying attention to things that they are doing well and working yep. through and acknowledging that, you know, that can go a long way yep. with building that trust or that working, you know, interaction. Yeah, I agree. I think affirming is one of the easiest things that you can do, uh, but it's often overlooked. A, yeah. a simple, you did a great job today yeah. or um, you look nice today or thank you for, thank you for what you did with yeah. this it goes Knowing. a long, long way. Yeah, I agree. So success, I think the important thing is just acknowledging it mm-hmm. and, and recognizing it and yeah. recognizing it. Yeah. And just like you said, affirming it. So people know that like you're in their corner and you're, you're noticing that. Thank you so much for joining us for episode three over success and failures in our own life. And we hope that you had an opportunity to reflect on your family, your life, and your successes and failures that you have had. And we just pray and hope that you have more success and more blessings uh, in the days to come. Uh, So join us next time for episode four and go Go Chiefs. Chiefs!